May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God our Father and from his Son, his only Son, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Has this happened to you? Or maybe, when was the last time this happened to you? You overhear a conversation in a school hallway, in the office, at the nurse's station, and the things being said aren't very nice. The longer you listen, the more you're convinced that they're talking about you. So you quickly and angrily turn and walk away. But then you hear a different conversation, maybe the next day, maybe the next week, in which someone is being praised. Affirmation and compliments are profuse. And the more you listen, you realize that they're talking about you. Both humble and a bit proud, you stay hidden around the corner and smile. May the Holy Spirit give us expectant hearts and attentive ears and minds to discover and rejoice in good news today, revealed in Matthew chapter 21. Good news that is revealed when this question is answered, who is Jesus speaking about? People God dearly loves. First, let's clarify the context. Where and when does Jesus speak this dramatic and deadly parable? Matthew 21 begins with Palm Sunday, with hosannas to the son of David, with Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem as an unlikely king riding a donkey. This parable, today's appointed gospel, closes chapter 21, and it ends with these ominous words, they were seeking to arrest Jesus, but his hour has not yet come. Our Lord's betrayal, arrest, trial, mockery, crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection will be soon. And in the temple courts during Holy Week, that's, we discover that is verse, in verse 21, Jesus, the greatest prophet and the highest high priest, says, hear another parable. This stunning story isn't the first kingdom parable in Matthew's gospel because that, I remind you, is the purpose of all of our Lord's parables, to reveal how God is at work reestablishing his reign, his kingdom in the hearts of men. A master of a house has a vineyard planted on his property. A fence is built around it and a watchtower above it to protect it from robbers. And even though it takes grapevines a number of years to mature, this master has a wine press constructed in anticipation of future harvests. Then the owner leases this fully equipped vineyard to tenants, and he goes away to another country. Time passes. Vines grow, buds sprout, flowers bloom, bees spread the pollen, grapes form and mature. And when the season for fruit grows near, the master sends his servants back to the vineyard to get his share of the grape harvest from the tenants. They had signed a contract, you see, of some sort. They had agreed to pay rent by returning an agreed-upon portion of the ripe grapes or the new wine that was pressed. But that's not what happens. The tenants don't live up to their part of the bargain, and the servants get what they didn't bargain for. Some are beaten, some are killed outright, 
Some are stoned to death. And when the report comes back to the rightful owner, he makes a shocking choice. He sends more servants, and they are treated just as badly. Then Jesus does, says something even more shocking. The master decides to send his son and speaks these faith, fateful words. They will respect my son. But the wicked tenants have other plans. When they see the son approaching his father's vineyard, they say, look who's coming now. This is the heir. Let's kill him. We will steal his inheritance. The vineyard will be ours. And they take the young man, throw him over the wall, putting him to death. Then Jesus asks the crowd, including chief priests and Pharisees, what do you think the owner of the vineyard will do when he shows up? What will he do to these evil tenants? They reply, he will treat these miserable people miserably. He will give them what they deserve, a miserable death. And he will find other tenants who will not break their contract, but will give him the fruit in all the seasons to come. Then Jesus quotes Psalm 118 to his listeners, but especially to the chief priests and the Pharisees. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And Jesus pronounces his judgment. Just as the vineyard has been taken away from the wicked tenants, so the kingdom of God will be taken away from you. You, religious leaders, have tried to make it your own possession, but it will be given to others, to a people who will be faithful and who will be fruitful. For the stone, the cornerstone, will trip you and will break you to pieces and will crush you under its weight. Then comes verse 45, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parable, they perceived correctly that he was speaking about them. Now this parable echoed today's Old Testament reading, didn't it? Another parable in Isaiah 5, and it was also the language of Psalm 80. But Jesus tells this story in a different way. So let's review who is in the parable? Who is the master of the house? It's God the Father. What is the vineyard? It is God's covenant people, his Israel, his chosen people. And who are the tenants? They are the religious leaders, some appointed, some self-declared. Who are the servants? They are the prophets sent by God to speak out his word. And they are mistreated and killed by those who want to make the vineyard their own. Who is the master's son? It is Jesus. It is only Jesus speaking about himself. For in him, the father is working to restore and renew the kingdom. He is the rightful heir. And surely they will respect the son. But they do not. Rather, they accuse Jesus of blasphemy. They reject him. They put him on trial. They mock him. They incite the rabble to shout, crucify, crucify him. And the Romans 
nail Jesus to the cross. The son dies. He must die. He must die for every sin and for every sinner. He must die for chief priests and Pharisees. He must die for you and for me. Yet the rejected stone will toss aside the gravestone and be raised to life unending. Jesus will be, Jesus will eternally be the cornerstone of the church. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. I ask you two questions in my introduction. I asked you if you've ever heard people talking about you in a negative way, and we all have. And I asked you if you've ever heard people giving you praise and affirmation, and I hope that you have. But who is Jesus speaking about in Matthew 21? Only the religious leaders? Should the disciples, the 12, also be worried? Who is Jesus speaking about? This parable is also about you. This parable is also about me. Jesus is speaking about us. We are wicked tenants. We plot against the Father's will. We reject his servants. We ignore his word. We think we deserve the inheritance. We are sinners and we deserve to be crushed. I'll say it again, but with a twist, a good news twist. This parable is also about you and it is also about me. It is also about us. Yes, we have plotted against the Father's divine plans. We have looked to ourselves for salvation. We have taken his treasures and made them rubbish. We have taken our rubbish and pretended it is a treasure. We have tried to steal the inheritance by our attempted holiness. Yet the Son is sent to us. The Father loves the world so much that he sends his only son, his dearly loved son. And Jesus does not come reluctantly, but willingly. He does not come hesitantly. He comes eagerly. He comes to rescue and redeem and restore us. And he is killed in our place. Though we deserve the wretchedness our Lord accepted, the one who goes silent as a lamb to the slaughter. Then Jesus is raised as conqueror over miserable, terrible, certain death. He is raised so that we too will attain, obtain the resurrection from the dead and the life everlasting. And we are heirs, heirs of the great inheritance of the kingdom of God. For we live in the Lord's church his new Israel, his eternal vineyard of grace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.